Buenos dias, buenos tardes, buenos noches, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are, whenever you're hearing this podcast, I greet you. This is the Keith Battle Podcast, and I'm your host, Keith Battle, and I thank you very much for tuning in. I pray and hope that this podcast is a source of information and inspiration to you and that you share it with others who can also benefit from it. And just before I get into today's content and introduce our special guest today, I want you to know that time is rapidly running out on all married and engaged couples to participate in our Effective Love Marriage Retreat. That's going to take place Valentine's weekend, February 14th through 16th, right here in Washington, D.C. And yes, we've opened it up for engaged couples by popular demand to attend this very important three-day event, helping individuals and couples to have healthy, thriving relationships. So if you'd like more information on it, just go to theeffectivelove.com or to zionchurch.org. Again, that's theeffectivelove.com or to zionchurch.org to find out more. Well, today, as many of us are in a season of change and many are fasting during this opening month of the year, I thought it would be apropos to have a subject matter expert on the subject of fasting this week. And that person is Dr. Celeste Owens. Dr. Owens is the author of the book, The 40 Day Surrender Fast, which is designed primarily to help the reader grow spiritually and to develop a closer relationship with God. So we look forward, of course, to hearing more about that great tool. Moreover, By way of introduction, Dr. Celeste Owens is a sought-after international speaker and facilitator whose mission is to equip people to live free and whole through the surrender of spirit, mind, and body. A transformative healer, she uses the Word of God and psychological principles, I love that, to bring others to total wellness. Dr. Celeste and her husband, Andell, I hope I pronounced that right, she can tell me later, co-founded Dr. Celeste Owens Ministries, an international healing ministry, and travel the globe sharing the philosophy of surrender. They believe that when God is the center, there's nothing one can do. Dr. Owens is an accomplished scholar holding a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from the State University of New York at Buffalo, a Master's of Science in Applied Counseling Psychology from the University of Baltimore, and a Doctorate of Philosophy in Counseling Psychology from the University of Pittsburgh. Shucks, I'm about to turn this into a personal personal counseling session myself in light of all this training. Dr. Owens is also a breast cancer survivor. And by the way, I've, I've said this so many times, almost everyone that I've met that's doing amazing work has suffered and survived incredible pain and challenges. It's always the case. In 2010, Celeste surrendered her diet to God and through the process of fasting, adopted a clean eating lifestyle pray for me. In fact, her personal battle with cancer inspired her to become a certified natural health professional. I always say your misery becomes your ministry. Now this one self-proclaimed junk food junkie is thriving post-cancer and inspires others to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for Dr. Celeste Owens. Dr. Owens. Yes, I'm here. Thank you, sir. And thank you for that great introduction. Yeah, I was I was, I was auditioning so you could take you and your husband can take me around the globe with y'all. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> yeah. Open up for y'all and then when y'all eat good, 
just pass the donuts and stuff, you know, to me, and I'll just make sure they get discarded. <laughs> Dr. Owen, where, where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, absolutely. So originally I am from Buffalo, New York, born and raised inner city of Buffalo to um, phenomenal parents who are just powerhouses in the Lord, um, Pastor Donald Chisholm and Melinda Chisholm. I'm the eldest of eight. And again, born and raised Buffalo, but always had my mind set in a way that I knew there was greater and I knew God was going to do greater in me. Um, so here I am now doing his work and his will um, and prayerfully going to bless some people on today. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So you're a PK. I'm a PK. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's a preacher's kid, a pastor's <laughs> kid. Wow. That's pretty cool. And and the oldest of eight. So you're like, you're like an auntie and a babysitter. Oh, like, don't get me started. Oh, my goodness. To this day, if I'm at church, I, I was in homemakers ministry and they said uh, once every quarter you have to watch the kids for homemakers. I was like, I need to quit. I did two wow. more babysitting growing up. I can't do any more babysitting. <laughs> I know that's right. And your youngest sibling is how many age, How many years from you and the youngest? He is 14, 14 years younger than me. So you got eight kids in between 14 years. Yeah, your parents was, hey. They same were mother and father. Disciples. We always had that question. You got the same mother and father? Yeah, they were making disciples and and. <laughs> and, and, and and con- and making sure they were connected. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> when I look at your long academic career, particularly, you know, at the University of Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Buffalo, State University of New York and Buffalo, all of your training was around counseling and psychology. What what made you go in that direction professionally and academically? You know, it started when I was younger. First of all, I've always been a person that people came to to share their story or to share their problems specifically. And even since I was little, people would just come and tell me their problems. I would sit there and listen and, you know, try not to be judgmental and try to offer some type of advice. So that happened when I was younger with all of my friends. But then specifically in seventh grade, and I'm I'm about to date myself, but I was in the library and they had microfiche. Do you remember microfiche, microfilm? Remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we used to put it in. It was like newspaper and you would reel it. I tell young people now it's like our version of the Internet. But I was looking at one of the newspaper articles and a young um, a kid actually was severely abused by his mom. Um, she put him in a uh, in a um, dryer, uh, the, you know, the washer dryer thing. And she put him in there and he died. So when I read that story, I was in tears at school. And in that instant, I knew I would be a psychologist. And I ran home to tell my mom, mom, I know today I'm going to be a child. I told her child psychologist. And all she needed to say was, that's a good idea, Celeste. And that was all it took. You just need one affirmation. And from then on, it didn't matter that my parents didn't have a college fund. It didn't matter that we was poor, living in the hood. It didn't matter. I was going to college. And let me tell you, Pastor, if I can encourage somebody else, if you believe in the bigger dream that God has in your heart, it will come to pass. I didn't have a college fund and I did not pay one cent for any of the degrees that you read about just a moment ago. Wow. That's awesome. No, yeah. So as a counselor, and that's a pretty amazing story that, again, is always like our pain and our purpose are always connected in some way. So as a counselor, you know, when you were practicing or even if you still do, how do you leave the pain and the problems and 
the challenges and proclivities of your clients in your office, how do you keep it in the session and so that it doesn't you don't go home with it and it continues to plague your energy and thinking for the rest of your day and during your downtimes? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I had to learn to do that pretty early on because I am, I'm probably what they call in a secular world, an empath. So I actually can bring on to myself people's pain and emotions. I actually can feel it. And I actually can feel people's physical pain in my natural body too. So it's interesting kind of gift, but um, I had to learn really early on to leave it at the door. And it took me probably a couple of years to figure that out. Um, but um, I had a really wonderful supervisor who had just said that you literally imagine yourself leaving it at the door and you purpose in your mind when you get home, you're going to be present and you're going to be there. And to be intentional about connecting with the people that are at home, don't talk about the work at home, don't, like things like that, that were so practical. And I was like, wow. And then another thing I ended up incorporating in the last couple of years, because I don't practice psychology, but I still um, are able to share many principles and I have people who come to me for coaching. But one of the things I've implemented in the last couple of years is meditation and meditation is so beneficial to the spirit, the soul um, and the physical body. Everything is super hugely beneficial. And they say even from just 10 minutes a day, you can. Um, benefit yourself in a major way. And that's just 10 minutes. So I do that first thing in the morning. So that's another way in which I allow myself to dump, so say, because, you know, we can really take on a lot. And before we know it, we're hugely overwhelmed. You as a pastor, I, I, my heart goes out for pastors. My dad's a pastor. You're counseling. You're doing some of everything. So it's so easy to take it all on um, and not leave it. Um, I even think now when I think about leaving at the door, even leaving at the cross of Jesus, just leave it and let it go until you get back the next day. Yeah, that's really good. That's really wisdom. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. We do carry a lot. Sometimes we don't even know why we're sick or in pain. So you treat it. Um, actually, was introduced by a therapist to something called Rosen Body Treatment Therapy some years ago, and I still don't hear a lot about it. But hmm. it's different than a massage. Like when, a, when somebody, a, a good massage therapist, can find knots in your body where there's tension and and yeah. anxiety, mm-hmm. where your muscles are tighten up. When Rosenbody treatment therapy, they find those knots, but they don't press on them and try to push them out. They make you talk about it. It's really mm. deep. And like this therapist, she was a 68 year old woman in Durward, Maryland. And, and so I'm on the table and she says, what is that? And mm. I said, I think that's my trap, 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 my right trap. <laughs> you know, on my shoulder. She says, no, what is it? And, and she, she helped me to understand where I carry. Like, I carry my church pain in a part of my body. Wow. I carry marital pain in parts of my body. I carry my children in parts. Like, like, this is really deep. So, because, and it makes sense because emotional pain, although it's real and it can be toxic, mm-hmm. it, it has to go somewhere. And if it doesn't go out of our bodies, it stays inside of us. Yeah. And the attack that it does on our, on our limbic system, our respiratory system and all of that. Is really profound. Maybe another day we can have a conversation about that because that you just you just made me think of something when you said you do that dump. That's very important. Yeah, absolutely. We could definitely have a talk another day because I do other things with essential oils on my spine, which again is a whole other story. But it's the same thing where it is 
allowing your body to process the emotions and and um, eliminate them. People don't realize that emotional thing is serious. And what you don't deal with, it says, will deal with you. So you wow. have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. <clears throat> what therapists or books have helped shape your, 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 your practice in the counseling side? I know you're not doing that actively, but who, who influenced your, your work and your life? Yeah, absolutely. So you might be surprised by this, but from the beginning, God called me to underserved and marginalized groups. And again, like you said, your pain being your purpose growing up in the inner city. So I, I, I certainly understood that idea of being marginalized and forgotten. So even throughout even learning psychology and going through counseling psychology, I was mostly drawn to books that talked about being a good servant leader. You know, so I did books like In the Name of Jesus. I love that book. And, and um, another book I did was Too Small to Ignore, Dr. West Stafford. And he talks about how, why it's so important to work with the least of these. And another pastor I love out of California, he had a book called, or he does have a book called The Calls Within, um, and talking about being um, intentional in the world and really helping and really living out your life on purpose for people who are underserved. So that has been my mission and call from the beginning. Um, So to me, learning to be a servant leader was all about how I was going to be a better counselor, a better listener, a better helper to those that are around me. So that's just been all my intention (laughs) the entire time that I've been um, living out this whole counseling career. Awesome. 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 So I like to shift topics here. Okay. And as you know, Dr. Celeste, everybody and their mama is fasting from something right now. <laughs> yep. Um, in fact, there may be some people fasting from this podcast right now. But yeah. Can you give us a helicopter overview on just what fasting is? I know we right now in our church have 1,200 people who are actually signed up to be a part of our corporate fast wow. that we know of who are getting the daily inspirational messages, et cetera. What, what is a, how would you, what, how would you give a general overview on fasting and the various types of fast that people engage in? Absolutely. So first of all, kudos to your church. 1200 fasting is amazing. So I love that. And maybe not all are doing it. Um, but at least they had had the intention to do it and maybe they'll catch on the next time if they're not doing it. But there are different types of fast. Um, But when I think about spiritual fast, um, specifically, um, there are different types of spiritual fast as well. So spiritual fasting, as it is conveyed in the Bible, is fasting from food. So abstaining from food to get closer to God is the whole point. So you abstain from, you know, food for either. So you have your partial fast, which is you fast for um, a certain portion of the day. Um, You have your absolute fast where you fasting from everything except maybe water or juice. And, you know, it's funny. I grew up Kojic, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal. When they said fast, you ain't eat, drink, nothing. You weren't saved if you ate and drank. I mean, if you drank something. So when I, when I had the privilege of joining the Baptist church and I found out you could drink water while you were fasting, I was like, what? 
<laughs> I was like, y'all slacking, but okay. Mm. <laughs> oh, but now I realize it's not a big deal. You can drink water. Sometimes people drink juice or whatever. And then some people just decide to fast in a um, from specific types of foods. People will fast from and do that. But the whole idea of fasting um, and surrender fast is a little bit different. I know we'll get into that. But the whole idea of it is that you um, put the flesh under submission so that the spirit can rise up and grow strong and be closer to God and be connected to him and then get some clarity in your thinking, cleansing in your soul. And then you're ready to be energized for your next step or next season or whatever, in, in whatever way God wants to use you. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. And before we talk about your 40 day surrender fast, um, the way you do it in your book, let's go back first. You said in, in it's in your bio that apparently your lifestyle before you were diagnosed with cancer was different than the things you did to survive cancer and the things you've continued to do to live a healthy and whole lifestyle. What, what was that life like before cancer that's changed now for you? Yeah, absolutely. So physically, in terms of my natural diet, I was the worst eater ever. Junk food junkie, love sugar, love cakes, cookies, all of that kind of stuff. I would eat dessert before dinner or dessert. Mm. Or dessert instead of dinner. It didn't matter. (laughs) But you know what? I come to since find out that the whole dessert sugar thing was really connected and rooted in childhood pain and growing up where I had to go to a school where I was the only little black kid in the classroom and sugar and candy became my comfort. And so God was so patient with me. He just let me do my little thing. He used me in ministry. And then after a while, he's like, enough. You're grown now. When you were a child, you did childish things. Right now, you're an adult. So I actually have written a book, another book called Making Peace with Hunger. And it really does outline that journey of being able to get to the place where I could uproot that sugar demon and move on and and really just have a healthier life. But pre-cancer, again, was me eating junkie, me thinking junkie. People don't realize that all incurable, well, I won't say all, but they um, say about 90 to 92, 93% of incurable diseases start in the mind. So I thought up cancer before cancer showed up. So I tell people oftentimes when your body shows up with something, it's just your body telling on you that you haven't been thinking right. And more likely, you probably haven't been eating right either. So for me, um, I had to go through a cleansing and a purification process with the Holy Spirit while he, where he was able to reveal to me the things that I had been doing that had not been beneficial to my body. So I grew up in a faith healing church and it wasn't enough for me to keep saying it. And name of Jesus, you get out of here, you know, because Jesus absolutely is a healer. But Jesus also wants us to do our part. He also wants us to participate in our miracle. And he also wants us to sustain our healing. We're absolutely healed, but he also wants us to walk in wholeness. So that was one thing that I had to learn over time, what that looked like. So again, for me, cancer started um, as a lump in my breast, but it really started way before then with me worrying and fearful. So now I have learned again, like I mentioned before, to meditate to watch what I eat, to turn it over to God, to give it to him, to recognize in my body when I'm stressed. All of that together has helped me to walk into this new lifestyle and this new existence. So so what you're saying, uh, I think is so important is something that maybe we're not mindful of because we're so maybe impulsive when it comes to food is that connection between mood and food. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, 
what's going on inside of me that I'm trying to fill with a donut or fill mm-hmm. like as you said, you were able to trace it all the way back to a childhood that brought about sorrow, circumstantial sorrow that you found comfort and solace and candy or sweets, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that's some that's some important work to do. Like, is there any like like can you put a put a step by step, like how does a person discover that? Like, how did you unpack that and make that connection? Absolutely. What does somebody need to be looking for to say, hey, that potato chip means more than what you think it means or whatever. <laughs> you know what you got to do? We got a friend called the Holy Spirit. You just asked the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, he is so faithful. He will tell you so quickly. I remember when I was first trying to make, and he's gracious too, because he didn't tell me cold turkey, stop eating everything. Stop eating everything that's bad because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked. But he really took me step by step. So really, I, I, and I'm not even being facetious, my first thought in prayer was, show me what it is and help me. I need you to help me because I can't do this any differently. And I remember the first instruction that Holy Spirit gave me, this was my absolute first instruction, stop eating in the bed. I was like, what? No, I'm going to keep eating in the bed. That's my best kind of eating. At night when I'm decompressing, I would be munching and eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was his first instruction to me. And then from then it just went on, you know, step by step into the place where now I could walk by in the store, buy cookies and brownies and whatever. And like, what? There is not a big deal. I can go to, you know, events and not crave it or want it. But that took years past the battle. That wasn't an overnight thing. So I often have a heart for people who are struggling in that area, but it is possible to get victory. That's good. That's encouraging. And thank you for sharing that you, you know, I like people like you who are clearly disciplined in their diet Mm -hmm. and living, you know, optimal, healthy, in an optimal, healthy, healthy life, but are also all, all, honest, I want to say, yeah. about how broken their diet was before. Because I think what's annoying to those of us who are not there is when people talk as if they were never in a right. person. That used to burn me up too. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that you struggled and you said, hey, I asked God, I asked the Holy Spirit, show me what's, what's wrong here and help me. Like, don't just show me, help me. It's yeah. one thing to say, this was wrong with you. All right, once you show me, please help me to win this battle. So I think that's practical. We can all ask God, all of us who are listening right now, who are tuned into your counsel and your coaching, can all ask for God's help with our diet. Now, your book focuses on what you refer to as a 40-day surrender fast. Mm-hmm. Explain yeah. the point behind that terminology. What are some of the things that people need to have in place to experience and what's, so, so what I want to ask is, what's the what's the key to the surrender terminology? Because that's big in your writing, I noticed. But also, what's the key to having a successful fast? What do you need to have in place? Is there, you know, do you need to go to the store? I mean, what, do, what are some things, some practical things people need to have in place in order to have a successful fast? And what do you mean when you say surrender? I don't want to assume it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So surrender, we've come to define it as doing God's will his way all the time. That's just surrender. God's will his way. Um, and the the way it really came about with the surrender fast um, is that 
in 2009, the Lord just instructed me to leave everything I was doing. So I was on a national speaking platform. I was ministry leader at my church, the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Shout out to Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. I was also in private practice as a um, psychologist. And, you know, just so quietly, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, I need you to leave all of that and we're going to do something different. And, it, you know, I struggled with it in my spirit for a little bit. It wasn't the easiest thing to do just to walk away from everything, um, especially ministry. Ministry, I let that go in the 11th hour because I was like, are you sure? This is good. Ministry is good. I'm not sure that you meant to tell me to leave ministry, but yes, he did. He meant to tell me to leave it all. And that's what I did. And in 2010, I ended up doing a series of fasts. Um, and this is how I learned that the fasting didn't necessarily have to be from food because the first fast I did, I did, the Lord instructed me to do the Daniel fast. Most people are familiar with that. That's when you eat everything you didn't, that you don't like. And that's, that was my thought. I was like, I'm going to eat everything I don't like for 40 days. This is very interesting. And, but in that time, God changed my palate in such a way I became a vegetarian and I've been a vegetarian. And actually now in the last couple of years, I've been vegan. Um, A miracle. So if anybody is listening to me, I'm serious. That is a miracle. So I ended up doing that fast. And then after that, the Lord instructed me to do another fast and I was ready for food. I'm like, oh, here we go again. He's like, no, 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 no. I need you to surrender selfishness. And I was like, oh, my goodness. First of all, I'm offended that you called me selfish. Secondly, what does that look like? So when you go to fast, doing a surrender fast, again, 40 is the number that God gave me because that is his number of transition. When you go to do a 40 day fast, you need to ask the Lord, what do you want me to surrender? So I'm always intentional about asking, what is it that you want me to surrender? What is it that keeps me from being close to you, from having an abiding relationship with you? What is getting in the way of my purpose? And the Lord will always show you. So the third time I did the fast that year, he had me fast from timidity. He said, after this, you're going to be bold and courageous. And I'm like, oh my goodness, really? Wow. So, you know, it's just, it varies person by person, but really it is allowing God to do an amazing work. And 40 days is that, that is the number. That's it. You will see such tremendous turnaround in your life and your spirit when you really just sincerely give God that 40 days. And whatever you give up sounds outrageous at first. And then after a couple of days, you're like, I could do this thing. I could do this. The thing you thought was so important to you becomes less important because God gets magnified in your life and in your spirit and in your thought life, everything. Well, you got us in- inspired because some of us are on that journey right now uh, while we're listening to that, to this podcast. And maybe you started off listening, you were doing 20 days. Well, since it's 2020, add 20 and 20. Wow. That's cool. That's 40. Um, I had not even thought of that, Pastor Battle. That's 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 2020. We're doing 40. We're putting those numbers together and doing 40 days. And so anyone who started on January 1st, that's February 9th. If you're listening to this, that's Mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm doing. So I'm 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 being inspired by what you're saying for the results. And for those of you who are tuning in now, we're with Dr. Celeste Owens. She's the author. She's an entrepreneur, certified natural health professional here on the Keep Battle podcast. And Dr. Owens, I've never really been in your position or role as a person that really not only advocates for nutrition and wellness, because that's part of what you do, but you kind of hold, you know, holding people accountable in that area. But my thinking is there's probably a lot of natural resistance that goes with that work. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, 
it would seem to me that a lot of people feel like when you come around with a wellness message that you kind of take something from them. Like you can't have you can't have those cookies or you know put down that fried food or whatever. <laughs> Instead of you're here to give them something. Do you ever feel that? Have you ever found that to be the case? Like the people like kind of tighten up, yeah. Or, uh, maybe a little unwelcoming. Like, oh God, here she comes trying yes. to get all the fun. <laughs> You feel that? And if so, why do you think that is? If that's the case. It is certainly the case. That's why I'm laughing. It is always the case. Hey, here, here comes Celeste. Oh goodness, she gonna tell me not to eat this. You gonna, and you know what? I can go in the grocery store past the battle, and people are trying to hide their cart cart from me. I'm like, are you yeah. serious? I'm not even looking at what's in your cart. I'm just trying to get my groceries and get out of here. Right, <laughs> you're not even in that aisle. No, not exactly. Aisle, right? you're not I'm, in the cereal aisle. In the right, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute, Pop Tarts used to be my vice too. So, but I'm not in that aisle anymore. But yeah, so people do get. But you know what I realized too is not is not me is not personal, but it really is about what I represent, and really I represent a area of people's lives that they it's a fruit of the spirit. Um, temperance, being self-disciplined. And I think I really hit on that. And sometimes people feel convicted in that area. So yes, I get on their nerves, but I think it's really more so because the Holy Spirit is trying to work on them in that area. Um, but people, you know, I used to feel the same way. I used to listen to people like Yolanda Adams on the radio and she would do Wellness Wednesday and I, I would turn it off. I'm tired of her acting like she eats so good. Uh, I, I would be so mad. But that's only because the Holy Spirit was leading and got, or trying to lead and guide me to, into a new direction and eating. So I don't take it personally. I totally get it when people are like, oh, here she come and I can't have my soda or, you know, or whatever it is. But I'm not really, I had to learn and it took me probably a couple of years to learn this and I hope people learn it a lot quicker. It's not that you are being deprived and you're giving up. I think you really more need to to think about what you are um, getting when you live this kind of lifestyle, when you decide to let the Holy Spirit dictate what you eat, you actually, the benefits outweigh what you give up. And I think the enemy of our soul continues to make us think about what we gave up when really there's so much that replaces it and so much benefit that we get that if we actually could concentrate on the benefits, what we are giving up becomes smaller and smaller. It's less significant in our thinking. But initially, of course, it feels like, oh, I can't eat this and I can't do that. And now I just feel like I, you know, don't belong. I used to feel like that a long time. I go to places and couldn't eat. I'm like, I don't belong. Where do I live? Mm. <laughs> but um, there's just so much more to be gained. And I try to get people to focus on the gain instead of the loss. That's good. So let's go back to the concept of a surrender fast. So mm-hmm. let's say somebody starts a surrender fast and they say, you know, for the next 40 days, well, well, they go to God and they say, what do you want me to give up? What do you want me to let go of? And God says, I want you to let go of of being judgmental or being, you know, gossip or something negative. Let's say, let's say being judgmental or looking down on people or being prejudiced, right? Sure. Judging a book by its cover, not loving people. And, and let's say you go on that, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's the next step? Do I just pay attention to my judgmentalness or am I also including restricting myself from something so that I'm more aware of it? You follow me? I totally follow it. Mm -hmm. What am I adding to that? Do I keep the same diet? Do I keep the same rhythm and everything else? 
And while I'm trying to give up being judgmental, am I giving up anything else to heighten my awareness of it? Absolutely. So that's a great question. So in the book, just so that people understand the 40 day surrender fast, the way it's set up in the book, there's a pre-fast. So there are five days in which you pre-fast and you read these five chapters. They're not very long and you ask the Holy Spirit, ask God what you're supposed to give up during that time. So you get the five days and then you give it up like you're saying. And then this is the part where people who, um, you know, people most, this is a, this is the question I get the most. So what does that look like? You know, do I, am I just doing that? Do I put something else with it? Do I, you know, it's, it's so interesting because surrender, just surrendering that to people doesn't feel like enough, but I promise you it is enough. God goes in and starts to do the work in an amazing way. And you don't have to know what it looks like when you start, because most people are wanting to know what that looks like. So what does that look like to not be a judgment? To let me write down five things. What is that going to look? Just start the day. Just start your day one. And day one is um, let God do a new thing. It's like, let, let me do a new thing. And um, or day one, that's the pre-fast day one. The, the other, um, the official fast day one is expect the unexpected. And I promise you in that first week, the unexpected is going to show up each and every day. So when I've given up things like fear, um, I didn't know what it looked like at all. I just gave it up. I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to give up fear. I'm going to be bold. All right. What does that look like? Now I will say this much. I often give up, and this is not a requirement of this fast, but I think because I'm an overachiever, I often give up something that is in tangible. And I also give up something that is tangible and it's usually a food item. So either I'll fast a certain amount of time the day, or I give up some food that I really love. And then I also do something intangible. That's because I'm an overachiever. That is not what God said you have to do as the book outlines it. But let's say I gave up fear. So I did give up fear one year. And I talk about this in the book. And I remember I, um, was going to go speak to the teen. So I have this whole teen thing going on in my past where, you know, I wasn't the most popular girl and I was trying to get with the popular girls and I didn't and whatever. So anyway, um, when I had to go speak with the teens, in my, I was like, oh, okay, great. And the Lord told me right away, when you go speak to the teens, don't wear makeup. And I was like, what? And I mean, we wrestled with that thing. Don't wear makeup. What? What's the big deal? What's the... But what he was trying to say is I want you to come as you are. And I don't want you to be hiding behind anything because this is a group that is challenging for you because it's been challenging in the past. So I want you to show up, like they say, naked and unashamed. So I had to be bold that year. And I showed up with no makeup on looking like uh, Alicia Keys. Um, she looks great with no makeup on. I don't know that I look all that great. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> But anyway, you know what? It freed me up until that point. I wore makeup all the time. And then once he told me to do that, I leave now all the time out the house without makeup on. It's not a big deal. It's not a crutch anymore. It's not something that defines me. So it was just those kind of things. It's those kind of things you all that God will do because he wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live life more abundantly as he talks about in John. So I've been able to really walk that thing out each and every day. And I'm not at the end of this. I still live here. I still have breath. There's still so much growing I need to do. So I continue to fast over and over. In fact, I live the fasted lifestyle throughout the year. So this is, this is just because partly because you're an overachiever, right? Yeah. So, 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 so for the overachievers who want to combine a tangible and an intangible thing, have you ever found any relations? So let's say you give up fear and fried food at the same time. Do you, is it, is there any correlation? Does is when you, when you, or is it just kind of like two different lanes I'm giving up this over here 
But and, 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 God, and maybe God is saying, you know what? I got something much greater than fried food. I want you to give up. Mm-hmm. Even if you get it up, I want you to give up fear because that's much greater for me. I can use you more. Yeah. But I can use you longer if you give up fried food because you're going to live a little longer. <laughs> but, but even if even if you don't give up fried food, if you're always afraid, I ain't going to be able to use you anyway. So what what is what? Do the two of those things work in conjunction or have you just found them to be there's just kind of that overachiever got to get two things done while everybody else is doing one thing? You know what? I have never been asked that question. And now you got me to thinking that is phenomenal. I never thought how God might be using those two simultaneously because they could be so interconnected. You, you, you know, you right. You might run to the fried foods. Because you are fearful, so your emotional eating. Mm. I never put those together. So you, you're going to have me now paying attention to the yeah. two. And when you put that in the new book. Yes, exactly. E-I-T-H <laughs> and cash app, dollar sign, keep battle three. There you go. You're going to need your offering off of that one. That's, a- that's, that's deep, ain't it? That's deep. That's deep. So how about, no, this is, this is really good. Let's 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 talk about what inevitably can happen during a fast, because you 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 say in your writing, let's not try to be perfect. You know, pro- it's kind of like in the in the in the world of treatment, recovery, treatment work. They say progress over perfection. So inevitably during a fast, someone's going to either get weak and do what they committed. They would not do. They're going to be afraid when they're not supposed to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to eat something they weren't supposed to eat. And sometimes it's out of reflex or habit, not even knowing it. Like, you know, yep. I'm sitting here eating this, eating this donut and I forgot I was fasting. Yep. Right? So it happens. So in that case, what should we do? Do we start over and say, well, that's the end. I was on day 13. I got to start over and do 40 more days. Or do we give ourselves a mistake grace and just continue with the rest of the 27? Or do we double down and say, all right, not only no donuts now, now no no coffee for five days. <laughs> uh, we pay ourselves back with a mistake, taking away some of like what's the best way of handling those moments in your opinion when we met when we break our own personal covenant with ourselves during a fast? Yeah, you know what? When you break that covenant, you let grace cover you and you keep on going. You don't start over, you don't um, add on another something you give up. You just Keep going because I think one of the greatest lessons in the surrender fast, because 40 days is not a short amount of time, I think that God gets to demonstrate his grace towards us. That even when we do, do we do mess up, he still loves us, he still wants to bless us, he still wants to favor us. And I think that the most important thing to remember is that God is not looking for perfection, but he's looking for a heart that is perfect towards him. Like he talked about David being a man after his own heart, not that David was perfect by any means, but David certainly loved God and he wanted to do his best. And when he messed up, that brother was repentant. So I think that's what God is looking for. So even you said when you eat out of reflex. So I remember I gave up dairy um, one of the years, years back. And I went and got my veggie um, sub and they said, what kind of cheese do you want? Provolone, please. Ate the entire six inch sub. And when I got to the last bite, do you know what came to my mind? I thought you was fasting dairy. 
<laughs> you yep. eating this fast and mm-hmm. you can't even remember you're not eating. You know, it's just an enemy of your soul just to chatter. And you know, it, it came to me, you tell everybody else, don't start over. Don't have condemnation. Keep it moving. I was like, thank you, Jesus, and kept on going. So you guys, you just keep going. This is a lesson you have to learn in life. You're not going to live perfect. You're not going to do everything right. But you do know that we serve a God that loves us, who is gracious, and who's going to just bless us anyway. So you just keep going. And that's what I tell people all the time. If you were fearful, you you forgot to not be fearful. Okay, keep it moving and keep it going. Accept his grace. Yeah. Forgive ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Act like God. Forgive yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, a That's a t-shirt. Act like God. Forgive yourself. I love that. Yeah. This is all coming to me on this, on the podcast. So <laughs> again, anybody still in this, you know, just, <laughs> you talked about now you're, we're coming down to the end of our time. You talked about now you kind of lifestyle fast. Like this is a part of your life. Like, so can you explain that? Like, are you on regular? Like, do you do you take fasting? Is fasting the norm for you? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yep, absolutely. Fasting is the norm. I fast more times out of the year than I don't. So I have come to commit to living a fasted lifestyle. And that's probably something I need to write a book on at some point when I guess I've kind of figured it out enough. But um, it's just really about being surrendered. There's no way to be surrendered without keeping the flesh under submission. There's just no way to surrender fully to God without doing that. And for me, fasting is a big part of that because it keeps the flesh under wraps. It makes it smaller than the spirit. So, and, and when I talk about living a fasted lifestyle, it might not be a formal fast like we're doing at our church, First Baptist, where the women's ministry is doing 21 days of no meats, no sweets, and no TV. It might not be something like that, but it's always me something giving something up. You know, if it's the Lord wanted me to be, let's just say, more respectful towards my husband, then okay, God, you got it. How, yeah, God. Let me tell you right now. Amen. God, you tell Andell. Is it Andell? It's Andell. But you have heard from the Lord on that. <laughs> I will let him know. Yeah, yeah, but God has often taken me in that area with marriage. Yeah, so you know, and I was just—I'll do it as long as God wants me to do it. Sometimes it's a financial thing. You know, God wants me to sow a seed, and I'll do that for a certain time, whatever it is. But I'm always in sync with this is what I need you to do. So that's what I mean by a fasted lifestyle. It might not be something formal, you know, like you're doing with your church, but just always in the posture of of being willing to give something up for God because I know it's going to benefit me in the long run. And do do you? Do you, do you mark out those? Do you st- have a start date and an end date? And then before you know it, it's become a part of who you are. Is that? Yeah. So you know what? I often have. Yeah. I'm going to say yes to that. I have a start date and an end date for the most part. So, you know, sometimes a girlfriend, a call and she's like, I'm having some issues. Here I go with marriage. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, maybe because you got the marriage retreat coming up. <laughs> And she'll say, you know, I'm having a problem with my, um, you know, in my marriage. So then we might pick up the power of a praying wife and then we'll do that for the 30 days or whatever. So usually I do have a start date and an end date with it. But again, God is always sending the people who need to fast. And I'm just, I just jump on board with them and go ahead and do whatever it is that he's calling me to do with them. And sometimes it's, it's, it's rarely, you know, I'm always fasting in community for some reason. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of rare that I'm doing it just by myself. I, so that, that, you know, there's something popular in the world of fasting now. Uh, I think it's called intermittent fasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People do it 
to, you know, burn fat or whatever, like to eat a good last meal at, I don't know, like say seven o'clock at night and don't eat again till the next day at like noon or whatever. Like they have a small window mm-hmm. of, of an eating window. I know that's not, again, necessarily what your book is about or what your work is on, but do you have any thoughts on that? Just from your from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny you would bring that up because God has me doing that. He started that um, last year and I was not happy because I'm like, first of all, I already don't eat stuff other people don't eat. And now you want me to cut my eating off at a certain time? Are you serious? This is crazy. <laughs> but, you know, he has me doing it now. And I realize now the body needs a break. The body needs an opportunity to really be able to renew itself. And the body needs to regenerate. Um, yeah, renew itself through sleep and through rest. And you have to give your digestive system a break. So intermittent fasting is 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 really important for the body of Christ to be doing. Not so necessarily just to lose weight, which is great too, because that'll help you out. But really, it's really what we need to do to give our bodies a Sabbath. Stop eating at a certain time. And then the next day, you know, you, you um, end your fast and you have, that's what breakfast is all about. You break your fast and then you have it. Some people eat a little bit later, but it's funny. God has me doing that. And he had me doing it. And then I learned about intermittent fasting. I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm already doing that. But OK, wonderful. <laughs> but it is it's huge benefits to intermittent fasting. You give your body an opportunity to heal itself through that time that you take that break. And then, of course, you're going to lose weight as well. Great, great, great. I appreciate that. Last question. Since you've been on this journey, do, can you even quantify how many fasts you've actually done? And then. Is there anything that you can say consistently happens by way of personal benefit to you when you fast? Like what can a person almost expect? Like if you surrender, if you give up something that's going to make you a better person or draw you closer to God or make your your relationships better or Mm -hmm. whatever, like what can you expect almost every time of some kind of breakthrough of some sort? to happen in a person's life. So first question is, how many times do you think you fasted over these last 10 years, I guess, since you've been on this journey? And then what can you say that actually consistently happens to you when you do it? Yeah. So how many fasts I have done? I have no clue. I used to keep count, but after a decade of doing this, I have no clue. You know what I said? And I used to tell my friends, I was like, I must be really messed up that God has me doing this many fasts. But so I have no clue. We we do our global surrender fast every year. Um, So I know, of course, I do at least that fast each year. Then I probably would say I'm doing another six or seven fasts each year along with that. So count that over a decade of time. Uh, I don't know. I've probably done over 100 fasts um, at least, but and not always just a surrender fast. You know, I do other types of fasts as well. Um, but it, as it relates to fasting and the benefits of spiritual fasting, you know what? I, I could be super deep and tell you that a benefit is that you're going to get spiritual clarity. You're going to feel closer to God because all of that is true. But one of the things that consistently happens for me when I fast is just the outrageous favor of God comes on my life. It's just outrageous and ridiculous. The things that he, the doors he opens up. One of the affirmations I say all the time is my name is being dropped in an unusual place. I say that all the time. My name is being dropped. Um, And with that, God has just done 
amazing thing. So I t- I'm telling you, each time I fast, especially during a surrender fast and during our global surrender fast season in September, I just get the most outrageous favor of God on my life and things that I just thought about. I'm just amazed to think about something and it shows up. It's just that's just the kind of favor God gives because God really responds to obedience. He responds to humility. He responds to surrender. And you can't even turn away the blessings of God. He's just going to do it because that's just who he is. That's amazing. That's amazing. Dr. Celeste Owens, y'all, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today on the Keep Battle podcast. Greatly appreciate your wisdom, your transparency, your insight. Before we leave, how can our listeners keep up with you? How can And how can they get a copy of your books? Because you have multiple books. Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for having me. It's been indeed a pleasure. Just so excited that I got this opportunity. So if people want to keep up with me, it's very simple. I'm at drcelesteowens.com. And then on every social media platform, I'm again at Dr. Celeste Owens. And if you want to get the books, I have several different books on my website. Again, it's Dr. Celeste Owens. Go to The Surrender Shop and you can find out more there. All right. Y'all heard it. It was Dr. Celeste Owens. She joined me <laughs> on the Keep Battle Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. And as you fast or consider fasting during this time or any time of the year, don't be too hard on yourself and celebrate your progress as well and expect great results in all areas of your life. And consider a spiritual fast, surrendering something that God wants you to give up. It may not be just food or, or social media. It may be fear. It may be having to be right all the time. Maybe judging people. Really, really deep stuff to think about. Can't thank Dr. Celeste was enough. Listen, y'all, I'm Keith Battle, and I'll catch you right back here next time, right here on the Keith Battle Podcast.